Praise the Lord. Let's go to him in prayer real quick before we go anywhere else. Father, we thank you for the move of your spirit here today. We thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for the healings that are taking place already. Oh, we stand in faith today believing, Lord, that you are moving. Oh, Lord, we thank you. I thank you for joy. Mm. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Thank you, God. There's someone here today that's, that's needed joy, and joy is flooding their soul today. Thank you, God. Lord, I pray that as we enter into this message this morning, Lord, that you'll just say what you want to say. Get, get us out of the way. That you'll be able to say what you want to say and we'll be able to hear what you need us to hear. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for forgiveness of sin. I thank you for, for healing. And I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So the armor of God, sword of the Spirit. We're going to wrap this up today. Can y'all hang in there with me? I, I won't keep you any longer and he has to <laughs> so we're going to read ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 through 17 therefore take up the whole armor of god that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand stand therefore having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So this is the last piece of the armor we're going to talk about today. The sword of the Spirit. You notice everything that we've talked about up to now is defensive. It's something that covers you in some way or another. This is the first time we're going to talk about a piece of the armor that's for offense. It's not something you put on and wear. It's something you carry. It's something that you must use. Something that has to have action with it. It's something that is an offensive weapon. right? It's used to actually be a weapon, not a defense. A sword is designed to cut and to pierce. Man, how important that is. And I think we'll know more about that as we go. In combat, a sword is often used in conjunction with a shield to gain ground. To, by moving the enemy back, you know, and I, I'm not a, a soldier anymore. I'm not one that used a sword and a shield when I was in the army, but a shield is held in front of you, and then a sword comes alongside, and, and you just keep making, making away as you go. And the enemy has to move back when that sword starts swinging. Understand that our enemy, we need to be reminded of this continually, that our enemy is defeated. He's weak. 
when we hold the armor of God and we make use of it the way it's supposed to, He has no defense against that. That is so important. Do y'all hear what I'm saying today? He has no defense against the armor of God. <laughs> That's new perspective if you don't have that already. Because we look at our enemy sometimes as, 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 a, as a formidable foe. One that has weapons, one that has ways to attack and hurt us, but we've got to remember that the armor of God is greater than all of His devices, is greater than all of His tricks and, and everything He tries to fling at us. There is nothing He can throw at us that if we are equipped with the armor of God that we can't defend against and then attack Him in turn. The sword, however, is useless as long as it's kept in the scabbard. Y'all know what a scabbard is? That's the sheath, the thing that you slide it into so it doesn't cut anything, right? As long as we keep it sheathed or in a scabbard, it, it's useless. I told you a sword is designed to cut and to pierce and and a scabbard prevents it from doing that. So as long as we keep that sword, the sword of the Spirit, put away, it's of no benefit to us. The Bible is useless if it rests in idle. Rest idle in our own intellect. If, if we put the Word in, but we don't do anything with it, we, we keep it sheathed, so to speak, it's of no benefit. When we're talking about warfare, it must be unsheathed. We must speak the Word of God. When we speak the Word of God, it is then able to be put into use for what it was designed for. I'm, I'm trying to keep this at such a a simple level for us today because this is one of those things that does not have to be complicated. Jesus went through a time of temptation. He spent 40 days fasting in the wilderness. Out there by himself. No food. Fasting. 40 days. Man, I, I have a hard time making 40 minutes. 40 days. And then Satan comes to him after that 40 days. You would think, that's why, why wouldn't you hit him sooner? <laughs> he wanted to hit him at his weakest point. Y'all, he does this to you all the time. He tries to hit you at your weakest point. When you're going through a trial, when you're, when you're sick, when you're beat down, when you're struggling with something at work, when you're struggling with some family issues, whatever, that's when Satan wants to attack. Now, notice I did not say Satan makes all those things happen. We give him way too much credit sometimes. We live in a broken world and we have sinful flesh. Let's not give all the credit to the devil for every bad thing that happens in our life. All right? Take that power away from him, church. He doesn't have any power. He's not that strong. 
So when we are going through those things, sometimes these are trials that God has sent our way to to purify us and to sanctify us, to strengthen us. When we're going through those, though, the devil likes to say, this is my chance, I'm going to strike while there's a good opportunity. And he came to Jesus that same way. He tempted him three different ways. One was with food, because he's hungry. One was with pride. He, he tempted him to display his power, show that you're more than what, you, what people think you are. Maybe you've heard this little voice. This little voice that says, well, they don't even know what you're capable of. You ought to show them. They don't know what you possess. They don't know what kind of abilities you have. Maybe you ought to show them. That's exactly what he did to Jesus. He took him up on the top of the temple and he said, hey, this is a great opportunity. Jump down. Show them that you won't even be hurt from that. Show them that you have power over this world. Then he tempted him again with power. He said, look, if you will just simply take a knee, a knee and worship me, all of this can be yours. And Jesus responded with three words and then others. The first three words, all three times. It is written. It is written. It is written. Hang on to that for a minute. In John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Y'all, we ain't talking about written word, are we? John was referring to Jesus Himself, but look what He says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus Think of, it, think of it this way. This is kind of a simplified way to, to bring these together. Jesus was Word in flesh. He walked out everything that the Word had already said. He fulfilled it in every little way that He possibly could be done. And He didn't fail in any point. He was the living Word while He was on this earth, and He still is today. So now... We go back. Satan comes to him and he tempts him. He, he puts these temptations, these real temptations in front of him. And Jesus responds with, it is written. Now listen, Jesus is the Word. Couldn't he just say, without saying it is written? But y'all, he's, he's again, like he did throughout his entire life on this earth, he is being a testimony to us. He is being an example to us that there is power in the written Word of God. And when we speak it, that power becomes evident. 
It becomes effective. It becomes something that is tangible. And even though the Word was standing there, the Word spoke and said it is written as an example to us that we can do the exact same thing. Knowledge of the Word alone is great, but knowledge alone is not enough. Knowledge must be coupled with action. And when we as children of God begin to speak, it is written. And put it back at the devil when temptation comes. When his his lies and deceit become effective in our life, it's because we have not spoken the Word of God against Him. Our sword, the sword of the Spirit, is what we must use to drive Him back. When we enter into battle, we must be covered, but we must also be equipped with this weapon. It's not good enough to be covered and defend and just sit there and take a beating. You must have offense also. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity through the obedience of Christ. I hope you didn't miss some of that. Church, there's an awful somber tone in here today. and I need you to hear these words. I've been telling you for this is the seventh week now. We are in war. War is raging. Are you going to participate? Or are you just going to get beat? Because as a child of God, we have victory if we will just simply do what He said. We have the victory available to us. We're not one that is locked into being beat down. We're not locked into this defeated mindset. No, we have victory if we will just stand on the Word of God. If we will begin to proclaim that in our life as the victory that He has already promised and told us about. We have something to fight with. Now, we can study, we can can show ourselves approved as the Word says, but you show yourself approved by knowing how to rightly use the Word also. Not just by studying it and filing it away. We've got to know the Word, but then we've also got to know how the Spirit of God moves in our lives and listen to Him. This, by the way, is the sword of the Spirit. Not the sword of a man. The sword of the Spirit. So we must be listening to and being guided by the Holy Spirit. The Word of God is living. It's alive. I've heard people say that kind of thing all my life. But what does it mean to you today? Well, I'm going to tell you what it means to me. When we quote Scripture, when we... When we do these things like I say, we're going to stand on the Word of God. When we do that, it's not like we're quoting the words of another human. I don't expect you to ever quote what Kevin says, okay? don't No, don't do that. You need to quote what the Word of God says. 
Imagine today if, if you had a problem in your life and I walked up and I quoted Shakespeare to you. What would you do? You'd say, okay. <laughs> Thank you, but uh, Hamlet was fiction. Um, and it was written by a man that died a long time ago. What does he know about 2022? What, what if, let's, let's bring it a little closer in, in our timeline, what if, what if I quoted uh, from a dead president? And while there may be wisdom in it, I'm not trying to argue that today, there may be some wisdom in what the man said, but he's dead. What if I quoted from someone that's living today? They're still alive. Maybe they've got better perspective. Maybe there's a lot of wisdom in what they say. What if I quoted them? Well, they may not be dead yet, but they will be. You see, the difference is the power, the authority. That, that human that you might quote from, even though they may have wise words, has no power over their own life. They have no power over anything other than God's grace that may be upon them. And so, I have no power over when my days will end on this earth. I have no power over anything except I trust in God. That's all I can do. So my words are, are lifeless in that way. Unless I am sharing with you the Word of the living God, there's no life in the things I say. It will, they will come to an end. You see people's names on buildings all the time. I don't know who them people are. Nobody remembers them. You've got to go look in a book somewhere to find out who these people are. And the point I'm trying to make to you is when their life ended, so did their memory. It starts to fade. There's no life in it. But what we have today is the Word of God that is living. And when I take the Word that was alive from before the beginning of time, that was with God and was God, and I begin to apply it in my life, what I start to see is that there is power and authority in those words. That it has power over me. It has power over sickness. It has power over the enemy. That it is alive. It's not just something a dead man said one day. And it transcends. Do y'all know what transcend means? It means it goes over everything. It covers it. And that's just a simple Kevin explanation there. But it goes beyond one situation. It goes beyond the situation that it might have been recorded in. It goes beyond that. The Word of God is alive. You can read a passage of Scripture one time and see how it applies to your life. You can read it again years later and see, man, this applies to a different part of my life. And that's not just like a, you know, a fortune teller is really good at being vague. And if you want to bad enough, you will find a way that what they say matches up to something in your life. Except that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about specifics. His word has power and authority. It was true when it was written. It's still true today. Y'all, if, if I tell you something today and you write it down and it's true, there's a pretty good chance a couple years from now that same truth won't be there. 
because I can't see past the next second. But when we look at the Word of God, God goes from uh, outside of our timeline. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. He knows everything in between. He knows the next life to come. He knows all of it. And so when He speaks words, they go outside of what we can understand. And so that truth, if it's true at any point, it's still true. If it's true in the beginning, it's going to be true in the end. His Word has power and authority that goes beyond what we understand. And so as we conclude this study of the armor of God today, I want to ensure that we don't miss there's one more vital component. There's no particular uh, article of the armor that this is linked to. You know, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, it's not linked like that. But it's still mentioned. If you continue reading there in verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 6, he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. What a way to wrap up the talk on this armor of God. We should pray always, continually, habitually, and intentionally. We should be praying continually, habitually, and intentionally. Not just haphazardly. Not sporadically. But there should be a very intentional effort on our part that we establish a routine of praying and always being in a mindset, just like Sister Nell said earlier, this is a relationship. I talk to Him, He talks to me. That is where the child of God ought to live in the Spirit, is in prayer, just constantly communicating with God. Y'all, this is not a natural war. It's not fought in the flesh. It is fought in the spirit realm. And guess how we get there? Prayer. He said, praying always. Supplication means an earnest request. Prayer should be in the Spirit and led by the Spirit. Prayer needs to persevere and be persistent. Don't give up. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Keep seeking. Church, I'm trying to leave you with this today because, yes, we are in war. We are in a battle. But we need to remember... Our enemy is defeated. I can't say that enough. He's defeated. We have the victory, but we still must fight. Okay? If the victory's been given to you, you don't just walk away and wait on somebody else to take it. We must continue throughout this life. We must persist. And then as we begin to go about praying and lifting up others, remember that we must be intentional about it. We must be diligent. We must persevere. When we don't see the answer right away, that wasn't necessarily a no. All right, God answers only a few ways. He says yes, He says no, or He says not right now. 
You didn't hear me say maybe. You know what maybe means? Let me think about it. You don't have to think about it. Yes, no, or not right now. You know what not right now means? You keep praying. You keep seeking. Did you get a no? Then you better keep praying and keep seeking. Sometimes we look at the lack of result in our life as a no. That's not the case. Sometimes he's, he's trying you. Sometimes He's building faith in you. Sometimes He's purifying you. He's saying, get that out of here. Get that out of here. Trust in me more. Lean on me more. He's bringing you to a place that all of a sudden this faith that has been built through this trial becomes something that's so precious, you now use it for others. You lift them up, you encourage them, and, and they look at you and say, where in the world did you get this kind of faith? How is it you're able to believe God for something so crazy? And you say, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you on what it took to get here. Our testimony is built through that. So, so don't take His lack of response, that, that immediate where it says yes. Don't take that as No. We must be persistent in our prayer and intentional. Make it a habit to pray. Make it something that is so interwoven in your life you can't get away from it that it just happens naturally. And man, you've got to be careful with that one. Sometimes we think natural is always good and it's not. My flesh naturally wants to do things it ought not be doing. We've got to make sure the flesh is in subjection to the Spirit. We've got to make sure things are in right. And then, and then when we are seeking the Lord like we should, and we're putting the flesh down and raising the Spirit up, things will be naturally toward Him. But there is a continual effort that must be put in place. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit, all wrapped in prayer. Church, if we will make an intentional effort to ensure that these qualities are not just on display, but they're in effect in our life, we will see a change in our life. We will see a change in our relationship with God. We will see a change in the way we go about fighting our enemy. If you've tried to fight him under your own power, you probably do look at him like he's strong. Because he is stronger than you. You alone. But the Word tells us time and time again in so many different ways, if God be for us, who can be against us? Right? That's just one. If God is for us, who can be against us? God is the ultimate power. There's no one greater. There's no one higher than Him. And if He's on our side, what other side is there that can be valid? The enemy is defeated. Jesus defeated him when he made that sacrifice on a cross, borrowed a grave for a few days, and rose again. 
He defeated him. He took away his power. It was written. It was done. It was settled. All of that was finished. Y'all, here we are, 2022, and we still struggle sometimes with this idea that our enemy's too strong. We put on the armor of God. We remember that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Not something I muster up. (laughs) You hear me today. Because we try it. I know I do. Maybe I shouldn't be saying that's what we do. I know I do. I try sometimes when I'm down. I'll try to build up joy on my own. My own joy. I'm just going to have a good attitude. And man, that'll last about five minutes. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. You say, well, Brother Kevin, how do we get that joy? You find it in His Word. And you remind yourself of His Word. You build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You keep prayer at the center of everything. And if you stay connected to Him, and you stay standing on that Word, joy will be there. 